thank but what he has done already, the one that he has yet to do in our life individually, collectively, oh God, I just want to say thank you. I'm a shame of my cutter. I'm a cutter. Marika Kaya, Marika Kaya, Kaya Kaya. I'm a shame of my cutter. Father, every one of us, Lord, shall receive our presence today, Lord Jesus Christ. Come and see the Lord is good. Come and see the Lord is good. There is nothing he cannot do. I have seen the Lord is good. Come and see the Lord. Come and see the Lord is good. Come and see the Lord is good. There is nothing he
there is nothing he cannot do. I have seen the Lord is good. Come and see the Lord. Come and see the Lord is good. Hey, come and see the Lord is good. There is nothing. There is nothing he cannot do. I have seen the Lord is good. Receive my prayer. You know 
special day that God has already set aside for us to receive. I want us to open our hearts to receive. Hallelujah. Just worship the Lord in your own dialect. Worship the Lord in your own understanding. Just give him all the glory. Father, we worship you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the adoration. We lift your name higher, Lord. You deserve all the glory. You deserve all the honor. Father, we bless your name. You are a faithful God. There is no one like you. We've searched all over the 
universe that is no one compared to you. Father, we bless your name. We reference you for who you are, Lord. We say thank you. We bless your name. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Oh, Dogunara. Oh, Garije Nelumiri. Oh, Yigi Yigi. Oh, Dogunara. We bless your name. You are a Kweme. The one who says a thing and it comes to pass. But I will lift your name higher.
Thank you, my Father. There is no power 
better of God. God, we give you the glory. We give you all honor. We give you all adoration. All the praises. All the worship belong to you. Thank you, ancient of days. You are the soon coming king. You are the only true God. The rock of ages. The king of kings. The lord of lords. The soon coming king. The lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon. The bright and the morning star. The I am that I am. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of Jesse. The lamb of God that was slain. We give you glory. The one that liveth and was dead. Behold, you are alive forevermore. You hold the keys of hell and of death. We worship you. We worship you. We reverence you, Lord. Return all glory back to you. Thank you, Holy Father. The heavens of the heavens is your throne. And this earth is your footstool. There is none else beside you. You know not any other one. Blessed be your name forevermore. In Jesus' precious name we have worshipped. So dear Holy Spirit divine, I just ask that you have your way now. The hour has come that you break the bread of life unto us. You feed us until we want no more. Lord, I submit myself totally to you. And I ask that you think through my mind. You speak through my lips. And I will minister life to your people. Just have your way. Let all the glory go back to you. That I might decrease. That you might increase. And your glory shall be revealed. Thank you, holy God. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. Reveal your word to us. Let the, our eyes of understanding be enlightened that we may come to know who you are and the hope of your calling and the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. I cover the whole environment and vicinity seven times with the blood of Jesus. I charge the atmosphere with the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Just have your way. In Jesus' holy name we are prayed. Amen. Please sit down. We are all welcome once again to the second day 
of our ministers and workers retreat. This is the first time we are having a retreat like this. And the Lord said, we should have a retreat. We had other programs in the church. We had revival programs. But this one is a retreat. And I believe that by the end of this meeting, we know of a truth that we have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. With Jesus' joy, I want to welcome each and every one of us. Some people have traveled from far to be in this meeting. I couldn't welcome them yesterday. Somebody came all the way from Gombe State. Please, can you wave your hands unto the Lord? <laughs> Hallelujah. From Bauchi. Wave your hands. Say hallelujah. Shout hallelujah to the church. Hallelujah. And somebody came all the way from Jos. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. They were moving nearer home. Somebody came from Barakin Lade. Please shout hallelujah. Amen. We welcome them with Jesus' joy. And then, we have our guest speakers. You know, I told you that when God wants to do something in your life, he connects you divinely to your destiny helpers. And sometimes, some of us do not recognize when God has connected us. You don't take them for granted. You must give honor to whom honor is due. When God saw my heart and he saw my groanings and he saw the burdens in my heart, first of all, he connected me to this man you see sitting here. He's a wonderful person. <laughs> I just call him a man that God packaged from heaven and brought him down to the earth to do some of the things he's doing. Hallelujah. I want you to welcome with Jesus' joy, His Excellency, Reverend Dr. Ezekiel Gadu. <laughs> Hallelujah. He traveled all the way from Bauchi. He would have been here yesterday, but I told you that he was on his way. And he has since arrived. You are welcome, sir. The Lord will bless you and reward you for all your labor of love for his kingdom in Jesus' name. And then, the person who was with us here yesterday, we tasted a little of what God has deposited in him. His Excellency, Reverend Dr. Barrister Anthony Uweche. Please welcome him. Hallelujah. I want you to know that it's not easy to be a minister. It's not easy. <laughs> Many of us, we like the title, isn't it? We want to be called pastor. We want to be called bishop, apostle. Reverend. You like all those things. There is a price to pay. I will not lie to you. There is a price to pay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to say, God will help me. God will help me. 
because I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. Amen. Somebody say amen. Because it's not by power, it's not by might, it's only by his spirit. The Bible says it's not of him that willeth, neither of him that runneth, but of the Lord that showeth mercy. So yesterday we began to talk to you, I was t telling you about the gifts that are available. Because the theme of this retreat is becoming a friend of God. Hallelujah. And by the time we finish tomorrow, on Sunday, every one of us would have become friends of God. I didn't hear the amen very well. Hallelujah. God taught us about the gifts. The gifts from God the Father. Gifts from God the Son. Gifts from God the Holy Spirit. And we saw in the scriptures that there are so many gifts that are available. Amen. And the man of God was telling us that even if you can prophesy, you have the gift of faith. You can move mountains. You can raise the dead. If you don't have love, you are just like an empty sounding symbol. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 13. For those who want to study more on that, that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to say some little few things that I couldn't finish saying yesterday because of the time. Because I was looking at the time. And I will hand over to him. Hallelujah. I want you to know that anointing without character is a disaster. Can you say it after me? I say anointing without character is a disaster. To the kingdom. God is not even interested in that. I was telling us yesterday that by the time you say you are born again, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you imbibe some false doctrines. There are so many false doctrines. The Bible says we should not be blown about by every wind of doctrine. We should not believe every spirit, but test them whether they are of God. And the only way to test them is by the written word of God. Amen? That vision, that revelation, does it agree with the scriptures? If it doesn't agree with the scriptures, you throw it away. You should not be so proud thinking about yourself and saying, this is my vision, this is my revelation. The revelation is not your own. Hello? Tell yourself the revelation is not mine. It is God that gives revelations. It is God that gives messages. It is God that gives word. So by the time you begin to think it is your own, then you will place it above the word of God. When you place any gift above the word of God, it's very dangerous. Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I want to share with you something very important that the Lord was telling me this morning. Matthew chapter 7, I'm reading from verse 1 and 2. It says what? 
Let's read it together. Judge not that ye be not judged. Repeat it. Judge not that ye be not judged. Verse 2. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Hallelujah. Verse 4. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Verse 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Amen. Sometimes you hear people quoting this scripture. They quote it in wrong context. When you are preaching to somebody and telling them the word of God and encouraging them to repent, they now tell you, judge not. They say, you are judging me. They are already been judged. Amen? Because you cannot judge anybody. It is God that is the judge of the whole world. And Jesus is the judge. All judgment was committed to the, by the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we must lead by example. When we want to be leaders, workers, ministers, we must know that there's a burden on us to lead by example. What was the problem of the Pharisees? The problem of the Pharisees was that they never led by example. They said, do as I preach, but not as I do. Amen. Hallelujah. Some people think that they have immunity. Isn't it? They have immunity against the word of God. They have already become big men of God. Therefore, what, no matter what they do, God will excuse them. There is nothing like that. I am assuring you that there's nothing like that. Quote me that I said it. Because why did Jesus say that on the last day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I heal the sick in your name. And he will say to them, depart from me. I know you not. You that walk iniquity. Why did he say that? You know, yesterday he was telling us that it's not about preaching. It's not about saying. It's about doing. These are the seasons we are in the end of times, beloved, that many believers today don't believe in that. They believe that they are already saved by grace and it is sufficient. Therefore, they cannot repent of anything. In fact, somebody told me that it is even a, an insult for me to tell them to repent. They said they are not repenting anything. They had already repented when they gave their life to Christ. 
and they believe that the repentance they did on that day pays for their past sins, their present sins, and their future sins. It's a, a doctrine of ultra grace, extra grace, which is a lie from the pit of hell. That is one of the lying spirits of these end times. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2, 2, 10 says what? Let's read it together. I want to go. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto what? Is it in your Bible? Or only in mine? Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, beloved. We have been created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith. But after we are saved, we are saved unto good works. That's why in the book of Philippians he said, Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. You cannot be born again and be doing all the things that an unbeliever is doing. And you imagine that you will enter heaven. Nothing unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God. There are no sinners in heaven. Read your Bible. Read it well. Read it from Genesis to Revelation, you will see. The book of Revelation says that outside, outside are the dogs, the idolaters, the warmongers, the thieves, the robbers, the liars. He said all liars shall burn in the lake of fire and brimstone. Doesn't matter how much grace they carry, they will still burn in the lake of fire and brimstone. Ephesians 5 told us about the works of the flesh, that those who do such things, he says, such like things, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he also gave us a list of the things. He said, those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I've met all kinds of people by the grace of God, Especially when you travel outside the shores of Nigeria, you meet different types of Christians. Those who believe that they can be lying and living a false life and they are still believers. They are still going to go to heaven because they have grace. Those who do 419, they cheat, they commit fornication, adultery, in fact, I was preaching to some of them in U.S. They told me, this is America. They said, this, your gospel, cannot survive here. I said, the gospel that I have is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it will survive everywhere in the world. But you guys will perish if you don't repent. Except you repent, you will perish. They said, this gospel is higher, is deeper than deeper life. I say, yes, that is the calling I have. God has called me. The commission he gave me is to turn men 
and women to righteousness. Turn them to righteousness. Not turn them to foolishness. Not turn them to iniquity. Turn them to receive the grace of God. And after they have received the grace of God, live their lives for God. Amen. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Verse 1. He said, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Can you see? Verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same. I want you to underline that. You judge another person, and you do the same thing. There are some preachers, they are very loud in shouting fornication, fornication. But they are doing it. I am telling you, they are doing it. And sometimes, it's a defense mechanism. As they are saying it, they are deflecting attention from themselves. But there's nothing before that is hidden before the Lord. All things are open and naked before the eyes of the Lord with whom we have to do. He said, do you think that when you judge other people and you do the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God? How will you escape? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God needed thee to repentance? Hello? The goodness of God, the mercies of God, the riches of God, why God is kind and loving and gentle is to melt us. You don't understand what I'm saying. To melt you and I onto what? Repentance. Anybody who has not received the love of God cannot give love. You know, yesterday was talking to us about love. And I was meditating on it last night. I said, this love, how will a man give love when he has not received love? It's only when you have received the love of Jesus Christ. And you know that Romans 5 says that you, as a child of God, the love of God is already shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That you can give it out. That's the only time. Because a man, a human being cannot give what he does not have. Amen. So when we judge others, we have a judgmental spirit. We will also judge ourselves. Some of us, we don't only judge others. We also judge ourselves. 
Now, tonight, for you to move forward, you have to remove all the judgments. You didn't hear what I said. I said you have to make up your mind to remove the judgments. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Jesus said that it is that which cometh out of the man that defies the man. He said, from, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things, he said, all these evil things come from within and they defile the man. So, by the grace of God, at this season, God is going to remove every defilement from our lives so that we can love the Lord out of a pure heart. Love the Lord out of a pure heart. A fervent spirit. Our love for God must be pure. Our love for God must not be tainted with any other thing. We must not have ulterior motives. God is calling us to do a pure ministry. A ministry of purity. Hallelujah. Amen. And that simply means what? We must look. Repentance means what? Looking at things from God's view. Seeing things from God's eyes. The way God sees it, that's the way you see it. And that means that the commandments of God will not be burdensome to you. Hallelujah. Because we read from Isaiah 66 verse 2 the other day that the people that God will look to are those whose hearts tremble at the word of God. Are we, to, are we correct? Those who tremble at his word. There are some people that are too familiar with the scriptures. Before you quote one verse, they complete it for you. But they are quoting it from their head. It's not in their heart. The problem of a human being is really from the heart. Because Proverbs 23 verse 7 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, he said, guard your heart diligently. For out of it are what? The issues of your life, they are from the heart. The heart is the center of man, the nucleus of man, the human spirit. The spirit of the man is where the Holy Spirit dwells. Is the holy of holies. Amen. And God said, we must glorify him in our spirits, in our souls, and in our bodies. First Thessalonians 5.23 First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 
Let's read it together. One to read. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? Blameless. God is interested in the total man. So I was talking to those people and they told me that they have given their spirit to God. They will do what they like to do with their body. The body is their own. Then I said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? When you give your life to Jesus, you are carrying God inside that body. The body is no longer available. It is not your own. You must give everything to him. That's why in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, he said, I beseech you, beloved, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. Your sacrifice is to present your body and it's a daily affair. It's a moment-by-moment -moment affair. That's why some people missed it. Because they thought they can give their body to God once and for all and it will satisfy, it will suffice for all the days of their life. And they say they can receive sanctification as a second work of grace. And they prayed that day and they prayed and they gave their bodies. But that the following day, they discovered that they were still telling lies. Then they got discouraged. They say it means the sanctification did not work. <laughs> The reason is that it is not a one-time affair. You must put off the old man and put on the new man daily. Take up your cross daily. Is that not what Jesus said? Every day of your life. The anointing of today cannot keep you for tomorrow. That's why you see some people, they go for a very wonderful program. Reviver. And the following day, they have backslided. And you, everybody will say, ah, what happened? But he was with us. He was a Jim Jim brother. Satan just put one stud. <laughs> you know what is stud? When I was young, there's something they used to call putting stud. I don't know if they are still doing it now. Youth will tell me. We used to play ball, and as you're running, somebody just put stud for you. Just put leg for you. You will just somersault. It's one of the offenses, the stumbling blocks that Satan put for people. They are called hindrances and obstacles. Temptations and trials. But the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, keep standing. In fact, in that scripture, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, stand, stand, therefore, stand, stand, stand. Tell your spirit, stand. Somebody tell yourself, stand. And Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, you have no excuse. You are to consecrate your total man, your spirit, your soul, 
your body to him. And it's daily. When you stop reading your Bible, hello, you are looking for trouble. When you discover that something is going wrong with your Bible reading, you can no longer read your Bible. Because the backsliding does not happen in, the, in one day. It's a gradual thing. You are diminishing, depreciating. You used to read four chapters, now you are not reading. You know, I asked some people, they come for counseling, and I say, what's happening to you? You say, I dream terrible dreams. I say, how many chapters of your Bible do you read every day? You say, mommy, I don't read anyone. I'm only reading devotional. I said, that is nonsense. As a young, newborn again Christian, you are supposed to read at least three chapters of your Bible every day. And I'm not talking about just glancing through it and rushing over it. You read it, you meditate on it, you digest it, you allow it to enter into your spirit man. And as you now grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, it's supposed to be increasing. Hello? So you check how many years have you been a Christian and you know where you're supposed to have been. When you're not reading your Bible, you are underfeeding, your spirit will be malnourished and before you know it, so many things will be happening to you. You will becoming carnal, little by little. You are wearing down. Before you know it, the jokes you don't used to enjoy before, you start enjoying them. You start lowering your guts. When they are mocking Jesus, you will not feel bad again. You can accommodate it. You can, you can tolerate it. You begin to understand with them. It means something is happening to you. You are wearing out. And it is time for you to lock yourself up, take a retreat, and pray for yourself as a minister. You don't allow yourself to stay like that because some of us, we are going from one program to the other, go to this place, come out, one activity to the other. We never ever take out time. We never take time. And before you know it, you are doing one job, and that job you are doing, working 24 hours, you don't have sleeping time, your spirit is going, beloved. And if you don't watch it, you will find yourself where you did not plan to go to. So tonight, God is calling us to remove the judgments we have judged others and the ones we have judged ourselves. And those judgments come from our imaginations. That's why the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When you discover that you are no more having faith in the word of God, you are to do something about it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen. You, don't, you lock yourself up. You go on program. Here we recommend 
take at least three days, continuous, three days and nights. Drink only water. By the time you come out, you will be refreshed. Amen. We don't allow anybody to do more than three days without taking water. That's just by the way. To avoid dehydration. And fasting does not change God. It changes you. So that you can be in tune with heaven. And you can hear the voice of God. And anybody that is going to serve the Lord and do any serious business with God must be somebody that lives a fasted life. Those who don't like fasting are the ones that are going to collect charm to do ministry. Hello? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not possible to experience anointing, experience the power of God before without fasting. You must deal with the issue of food. Because some people's God is their belly. And the Bible said their end is destruction. You must learn to stay away from food. From time to time. Because the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, I remember the last time I went to France, I was ministering, and I told them that they are going to fast. They say, eh, they have never fasted before. Big adults. They started shouting. I said, I gave them a date. I said, compulsory. Fast, all of you. The Holy Spirit said we are fasting. Today, is that day was Holy Ghost Faith Clinic. You're going to cast out all the demons in your life. And these big, big women fasted. By 12 noon, my phone was almost breaking. They were all calling me. Are we going to die? Hey, what is happening? They were crying. So I said, the meeting was supposed to meet by 4. I started going to the venue by 12. I just got up, entered bus, started rushing to the place. I came to the house. All of them were lying on the floor <laughs> and crying because they fasted. There are people that when you put them on fasting, they'll be crying physically. I say cry. When you cry, that thing that is inside your stomach will come out and it will leave you alone in Jesus' name. It's better for you to cry. Because the Bible says if you don't judge yourself, God will judge you. But if you judge yourself, then you will not be judged. You will not be condemned. It's better for the stomach to pay you. Somebody said to me, I have ulcer. I cannot fast. I said, don't worry. By the time we finish the fasting, the ulcer will die. And it will not surface again in Jesus' name. Don't you know that those ulcers are demons? They eat up the intestines of the, of the, of the walls of the stomach. So they can die. They can come out. And you receive your healing and your freedom to serve the living God in holiness and in righteousness. The psalmist said, when he heard the Lord said, seek you my face. He just heard the voice of God say, seek you my face. His spirit responded, say, your face, O Lord, will I seek. You don't negotiate it. 
God said, fast. You say, no, Lord, not so. Let us not do it like this. Eh, Lord, let me be doing it small, small. Eh, let me do six to ten, six to nine. Which one is six to nine? <laughs> Some people say they are doing six to nine fast. I said, what is six to nine? Six a.m. in the morning to nine a.m. That is a fast. <laughs> Even my children, when they were babies, they used to fast. Sometimes they fast three days, two days. They'll be crying. I said, cry. As you cry, God is hearing your voice. He will do the thing we are asking him. Don't you know that when Jonah went to Nineveh, even the babies fasted, their animals fasted, and repented. And Jonah was a man of judgment. <laughs> when he, they fasted and God forgave them, he was angry. Are you like that? He said, hey, God, I know you. I know you. That's why you, you say I should go. I said, I'm not going. I started going a different direction because I know that you are merciful. You are compassionate. I know that you are able to forgive. The real thing in his heart was wickedness. He did not want those people to leave. And when you are a minister and you have that judgmental spirit, you cannot make people go to heaven. You don't understand. I was crying this morning when the Lord was telling me this thing. I cried like a baby. He said, a lot of us are so judgmental. We don't have compassion. Jesus was so compassionate. Look at Luke chapter 6. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. No, we like quoting the other scriptures. The one that is next to it. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Is it not? We like that verse 38. But I want us to take it back to 36. What did it say? Let's read it together. I want to read. Be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. 37, judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Before it talks about giving and receiving. We only know that verse 38, but we don't read the ones that precede it. Be therefore merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. In Psalm chapter 18, the Bible said to the merciful, I will show myself merciful. To the faithful, I will show myself faithful. To the pure, I will show myself pure. Hello? Then he said to the crooked, I will also show myself forward. Imagine when you are crooked and God is showing you, following you with crookedness. Hmm? You are doing crookedness. God is also doing you while you deceiving you. How will you survive? Because it is whatsoever a man sow, 
that he will reap. To the merciful, he will show himself merciful. If you are somebody that is so judgmental, it is the same measure you meet out that will be meted out to you. And in the day that God meets it out to you, can you survive? I don't know how we read the Bible, but when I read the Bible, I'm afraid of God. My heart trembles. When I see something in the Bible, I shake. It's like we have taken some aspects and we think those ones are not relevant. You want to be a minister, a worker. God is going to put some people under you. What are you intending to do to them? Are you there to just condemn them? You look at them and say, hmm, this one cannot go to heaven. This one he has not even repented. I know some people that operate like that. This one is an incarnate. This one is not even born again. He has not started. This one is not a human being. You say all those things. How did you come about that? Is it God that told you? If it is God that told you and you are saying it, then that's good. That means you are aligning with him. But you just say it presumptuously. You see, sometimes you may not know the whole story about somebody's life. And God is not looking at the face. He looks at the heart. Somebody may have a problem, may have a depression, may have something bothering him, which you don't know. You don't know the whole thing. You are not God. It's God that has the power of judgment, so leave it to him. That's not your calling. Your calling is to be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. To win the souls of the unbelievers, you must know that they are blinded. 2 Corinthians 4 says that if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are blind. The God of this world has blinded them. That's why they cannot see the glorious light of the gospel. If you don't have that kind of mindset, you cannot win any soul. Because you are preaching to them with anger in your heart. You just tell them, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Damn, what you have in mind is that they should perish. You are just like Jonah. The anointing of Jonah. It's, let me just say it so that they will not say that I didn't preach. Oh, I was preaching to them. Oh, the man refused. He's, in fact, he's about to perish. He has already perished. <laughs> you need to repent today and remove all those kind of things. Because my first calling, I shared with some people that were very close to me was as a praise worship leader in a Pentecostal church. And from there, God ordained me as an exhorter. And it didn't take long after I gave my life to Christ before my first ordination came as an exhorter to go out and win souls. And the Lord helped me because I had compassion for the people. I remember how I was when I was not born again. How stubborn I used to be. And how God mercifully brought me out from the miry clay, from the horrible pit, 
It was not because I'm better than anybody. It was just his mercy that found me. I was lost. He found me. I was blind. He opened my eyes. Don't you know that when God opened the eyes of people, they will repent. The unbeliever is just like somebody who is blindfolded. He ties somebody's eyes. He's walking. He doesn't know that there's a pit in front of him. So everything you are telling him about heaven, hell, he's not even hearing you. He is blinded. The mind has been blinded. And then there are stumbling blocks. I will teach on that next time. That's not what I want to talk about today. Stumbling blocks, pitfalls, offenses. Some people have gone through some trauma in their life. And they have believed that there's no God. Like I used to believe that there was no God. Because of the philosophies that I was taught. It was not my doing. I went to school. And the teachers were telling me that. And I believe in them. And I thought it was true. They taught us in French. There's nothing like God. Even if there was any God, he's already dead. They said the world is out of control. God cannot control it. The world has passed his power. It's only when I gave my life to Christ and I started reading my Bible that I knew it was a lie. An unbeliever does not know those things. So when you see people falling and rising, you need to lift them up. You need to encourage them. You need to pray for them. Galatians 4.19, Apostle Paul say, My little children, of whom I travel in birth again for them, until Christ be formed in them. Even after the person comes to church, you see that he's not coming. You need to travel again in bed for them. In those days, I used to carry myself, go from house to house, teaching the people the word of God before they can come to church. And every Saturday, we go on top of that mountain and pray from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. For people to come to church. Because this land, there were some weeks we did not do that prayer. You can come to church on a Sunday morning. You will not see anybody. And after service, we start doing follow-up. And if you follow them one by one, they will be telling you they don't know why they didn't come to church. They say, You say, what is the problem? They say, nothing. Tiredness. Laziness. King Weya is laziness. The spirit of the Antichrist that is in the air, is in the environment and in territory, has a way of wearying people from serving the true God. And you are the one, you and I are the people that God has put here to fight the good fight of faith. To occupy until Jesus comes. And after I became an exhorter, he gave me this unction of prayer. Intercession. I touched on it a little yesterday. I want to explain it. You see, let me tell you intercession, when you become an intercessor, it is a priestly anointing. In the Old Testament, there were different types of people, three, only three offices. I told you yesterday, the office of the king, 
the prophets and the priests were the people that had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on their lives. And even today, even though we are under grace, those anointing have not ceased. Amen? God has only improved on it by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So every believer is supposed to be a priest and a king. But how many believers are really praying? So when you come and you are interested and you give yourself to prayer, God will put on you an anointing called the priestly anointing. There is a priestly anointing, there's a prophetic anointing, there's a kingly anointing. And you grow in it. And I discovered that when you have a priestly anointing, you can have the anointing of Samuel, anointing of Deborah. It's an anointing of a judge. I told you yesterday that the judges were standing in the three offices. You have a place in the court of heaven as a judge. Jesus is a high priest. You are a priest. You come there. And the more you come there, you frequent the courts of heaven, you will now get to a point that you have a seat among those people in the courts of heaven as a judge. You sit with them. And God will discuss matters with you. When he began to show me those things, I did not even understand. But now I think I'm getting more understanding. So one of the things we are going to do at the end of this meeting is to know those that God has called into the intercessory ministry. Because we need to train you. I need to train you to understand the privileges of being an intercessor. The issue is that when you pray and you go to the court of heaven, you are standing in the gap. You'll be praying for other things. Your own problems will be getting solved without prayers. That's one of the privileges. Because there's a resident anointing that inhabits you as a priest of God. You carry it. So sometimes, I don't have to pray about something. I just think about it and I see it being done. Because you have given yourself to prayer. And I said yesterday that many believers don't like that one. They only want to be on the pulpit. And the pulpit is not the only place to be. The altar is not the only place to do ministry. There are many, many altars in the field. Amen? There's many, many pulpits. You alone can start a crusade. You can stand somewhere and start preaching. And it's, it's a pulpit already. It's not only this one. Hallelujah. So, when I became an exhorter, that was the very first ordination, I saw that something changed in my life. Because when God ordains you and commissions you, there's an impartation. Amen? I said there's an impartation. It's not ordinary. Then after that, my next ordination was as a licensed pastor. 
when you are a licensed pastor, you have the right to preach anywhere in the world. And I was a license in Nigeria by international preachers that came to Nigeria. Because in those days, the 80s, they used to come and hold conferences and train pastors and ministers. So they ordained me twice. The first time I was an exhorter. The second time I was licensed. That was even before I came to my former church, Shalom. So when I came to Shalom in 1998, when they said they want to do ordination, some people were contesting my ordination. They didn't want me ordained. Our late and former president said, the Holy Spirit told him he must ordain this woman. Even though some pastors rose up against it. Because they just didn't like me. I don't know why. Maybe it was the devil that was contesting my growth. But the man said, I heard from God ordain this woman. And the, before he did that ordination, I saw myself being ordained in the spirit. God had already ordained me. Because when men ordain you without God's ordination, it's just like an empty something. No man can give you anointing. It comes only from above. Promotion does not come from the right nor the left, the north nor the south, but only from God. So some of us don't understand that ordination is a promotion. Because when you are ordained in the spirit, it begins to affect your natural. Hallelujah. And there were people that you ordained and they even looked down on it. You commissioned them as workers. They don't take it as anything. They don't know that they need to consecrate their lives to God. Jesus had compassion. And he's calling us to that. Amen. And one of the things the Lord said we must deal with in our lives is anger. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Look at the things he said we must put away. Ephesians 4, 25. Say, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, let's read 26 together. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Amen. If you give the devil a foothold, he will make it a stronghold. He said, be ye angry, but sin not. Somebody said to me, yes, but the Bible said we can be angry. Only that we should not sin. I said, how will you be angry and sin not? If you are angry and you do not sin, then the only thing is that when you are angry, you cannot talk. You hold your mouth. Because any talk you talk out of anger, you must sin. And I want to tell you that the Bible says in the book of Proverbs,